One of the many things that I miss about First Baptist Church in St. Francis is the piano. And the reason being at the Berean Bible Fellowship in Colby, we do not have a piano player or a pianist on any regular basis. And I don't understand why God doesn't send us one. But uh, we don't. And so uh, we do the music without the piano. Uh, we did have an, an organist who did a great job, but she has moved. And now what we have is a guitar. And I'm not throwing rocks at a guitar, but it's not a piano. It's just not. And I've always said this church is very blessed to have three very competent ladies uh, that can sit here and play any time. What a blessing that is. What a blessing. This morning we're going to uh, look at a passage in Second Chronicles. I'm going to read that in a few minutes. But I titled this message, and I wrestled a little bit with this title, but it's, it's there. God with you. God with you. In Genesis 3, we read, we read about how God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. He was with Adam and Eve in the garden. He walked with them. He conversed with them. In Genesis 5, we can read about how Enoch or Enoch walked with God. And God walked with him. To the point where, as we know, he was taken up by God. He didn't go through death, but God took him up. This idea of walking with God speaks of holiness. The holiness of God. The sanctification process that takes place with believers. Combined, that all combined together in a, in a beautiful form, a beautiful picture. It speaks of God's presence that is, that is in you. And not only in you, but around you. Wherever you go, whatever you do, God with you and you with God. It 
speaks of a Christ-likeness. As we think of Christ-likeness, who do we know that we could say is Christ-like? Who walks with God and God walks with them. Well, in the Bible, I can think of someone like Moses. Moses walked with God. God walked with Moses. We know the story of Moses. I think of the Apostle Paul, how God walked with the Apostle Paul, and God used him mightily and Paul's whole life was centered around Christ, around serving and proclaiming the gospel of Christ to the Gentiles. I think of an individual that I know, and a number of you have met this individual, David Miller. David was here in this church many years ago. He has a uh, tremendous disability, a muscular uh, degeneration. He preaches from a wheelchair, as many of you would remember. You can find him on YouTube if you'd like to listen to him preach. David, just being around him, for me, there was that Christ-likeness in his life. Day in and day out. This holiness, this Christ-likeness, this presence, God with you. Now we live in a country whose national debt is such that it surpasses all other nations. I checked this out. Yesterday, and I know the number is different today. Because if you've ever looked at that national debt clock on the internet, it just almost makes you sick. Because it is constantly climbing. Just constantly climbing. But it was $34.27 trillion yesterday. And as I watched it, it just kept getting higher and higher. We think about the war in the Ukraine with Russia and Ukraine and all that is involved in that, the monies that is going to that. Israel, as they are battling in a war with Hamas, all the, the things that are involved in that. There's so many things going on in our nation. In 1860, we were a nation divided. Politically and morally divided. And I think most likely everyone here knows what 
took place at that time. Civil war in our nation. A war between the states. And in truth, in 2024, whether you want to know it or not, we are a politically and morally divided nation. Now, where's that going to end? I don't know. And I'm not saying we're going to have a civil war, a war between the states in our nation. I don't know. God does. But in some ways, I fear that more than I do World War III. I don't know. Just my thought. But 25% too of the people in our country spend more money than they make. Our country's in a mess. We know that. And there's so many other examples that could be given. During Super Bowl, and I would assume most of you watched the Super Bowl. During the Super Bowl, there was an ad that you've seen before, this Jesus Gets Us ad. You saw that? Good. I'm glad you're listening. Glad you're listening. Uh, $17.5 million was spent on that ad. Wow. Jesus gets it. What's it mean? Well, Owen Strachan, and you can find this on YouTube, has a response to that Super Bowl ad. And also I heard a response that Bodie Bauckham gives to that Super Bowl ad. And in in a nutshell, Bodie said, everybody loves Jesus as long as we don't define who He truly is. And that's part of what's involved in that ad. Now, I'm not going to get into all that today. But the whole point is there's so many deceptive ads on the television, on Facebook, and other social media platforms, the LGB, what is it, LGB, anyway, that alphabet group, uh, so much that's there, we, it, we're just bombarded with it. It's almost just normal anymore. We see so much of it. And we watch our children grow up in a nation that's become more heathen than some of the nations we send missionaries to. In 2 Chronicles chapter 17, in these first six verses, Second Chronicles 17, verses 1 through 6, we read, Jehoshaphat, his son, then became king in his place, and that was Asa, was his father. And he made his position over Israel firm. 
He placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa his father had captured. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father David's early days and did not seek the Baals. But he sought the God of his father. He followed his commandments, God's commandments. And he did not act as Israel did. So the Lord established the kingdom in his control, and all Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat, and he had great riches and honor. And he took great pride in the ways of the Lord. And again, he removed the high places, Nashirim from Judah. Jehovah honored God as king of Judah with his faithfulness to God. And God was with him. But the question I want to ask this morning is, is God with you? Is God with you? Now you may say, well, I do my best. I try to walk with God. But is God with you? Is He walking with you? Are you deceiving yourself that God is with you? Because you're trying to walk with God? I know, it's, it's kind of complicated, isn't it? It's kind of a, a question that, yeah, I don't know. But let's, as we look at this, we see, first of all, for God to be with you, you need to follow the example of the faithful. Now, Jehoshaphat was following God. He was with God, and God was with him. He looked to, to David's early years, we read in verse 3. His early years, the years when, when before David had his big fall. And in those early years, David walked with God and God walked with him. God was with him and he, he, he was with him in the, uh, giving him great courage and uh, 1 Samuel 17 talks about uh, how God gave David such great courage in standing and facing Goliath. Just a boy with rocks in a, sling, in a slingshot or a sling. When my slingshots went like that. I never did that. But that's what David had. 
And he had some rocks and stood before this giant warrior Goliath. God gave him courage because he trusted in God. He walked with God and God was with him. David's faithfulness, despite all the burdens that he carried, we, we, as we read through the Psalms, we, we read of the faithfulness of David despite Saul trying to destroy him of his enemies trying to overwhelm him, but David was faithful to God in all those things, no matter what burden he carried. In Jehoshaphat, he he sought David's God, the God of his father, David. Now David was, I think it was like four grandpas, Jehoshaphat, four grandpas away from Jehoshaphat. But the record of the faithfulness of David was there. And he sought that. But who is this God? Who is this one that that David or David followed after that was with David, that was with Moses, that was with uh, Peter and Paul and and, and so many others. Who is this God? Well, let's look over in chapter 20 of Second or of uh, Second Chronicles in chapter 20. And if you look at verse 5 and 6, we find this. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord, O Yahweh, the God of our fathers, art thou not God in the heavens? And art thou not ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in thy hand so that no one can stand against thee. This is God who David walked with and was and God was with David. This is the God that was with David. This is the God that was with Jehoshaphat. What a mighty God. And I would say this morning that for you to walk with God, there's some things you need to do. Now, I believe strongly, as you that know me well, I believe strongly in the sovereignty of God. But I also believe in the responsibility of man. Man is responsible for his sin. And in following God, and in walking with God, there are some responsibilities that are upon us. Now, yes, the Holy Spirit works in our life and He he changes our, our wanter, so to speak, where once we wanted nothing to do with God, and then we want God. 
He works in our life and convicts us of sin and shows us our sin and shows us the the holiness and the mightiness and the power and the uh, sovereign, eternal, eternal God. And He works in our life to bring us to Christ, opening our minds, understanding, etc., etc. And yes, He gives us faith, that gift of faith to trust in Christ. And in Christ alone, He opens our understanding about all of these things and He grants us repentance of our sin. And He causes us to be born again. God does all of that. But yet we have responsibility. And that responsibility does include repenting. And it does include exercising faith in Christ. And it does include following after Christ. And there are some that think those two things uh, contradict each other, and we're not going to get into all of that this morning, but I think many of you understand that. But the thing is, for you to walk with God, for God to walk with you and be with you, you need to look to the faithful examples of those that God has left for you to look at. Look at these people. Look at these men. Look at Moses. Read about Moses. Read about Jehoshaphat. Read about uh, others in the Scriptures. Read about the Apostle Paul. Read about Peter. Read the Bible and see all of these men and women that God was with. Look at their lives. And don't forget, look at more contemporary people. Now, contemporary in light of, in light of Scripture and, and, the, and the Bible, and contemporary, I'm going to include Spurgeon. Look at his life. Read about him. Jonathan Edwards, you've got on the bulletin, there was a, a quote from Jonathan Edwards on the front, and I, I think there was another place in the bulletin. There was like two that are there in the bulletin. Maybe I'm wrong. Look at these people, their lives, others that you can think of. Uh, I, I think of people like uh, J.P. Boyce, who founded Southern Seminary and B.H. Carroll, who was the founder of, of Southwest Baptist, or, uh, Southwestern Baptist Seminary in Fort Worth, of, of John Dagg, who was a writing theologian uh, among Southern Baptists. But these men are dead and gone. But there are others you could think about who are alive today and living Christ-like lives. And God is with them. Look to them. Look to these examples. But above all, who should we be looking to? Somebody tell me. Christ. To Jesus Himself. Not only was He Christ-like, He was Christ. Look to Him. We see that for God to be with us, there is some responsibility on our part. 
And secondly, for God to be with you, you need to follow His commandments. And we follow His commandments not because we are trying to have a life that is perfect, because we know we can't do that, but they're there to guide us, to help us, to instruct us, to teach us about what God expects from His people, of His holiness. Jehoshaphat, we read in verse 4 of 2 Chronicles 17, how Jehoshaphat followed the commandments of God. He, he followed the law of God. And what Jehoshaphat had as the law of God, everyone in this room has as the law of God. It hasn't changed. It's still God's law. It's His commandments that has been given to us. But there's many abuses of the law of God, is there not? Many abuses over history. Oh, history's time, there's many abuses today. And to sum it all up, these abuses have to do with people trying to justify their sin. Trying to justify the breaking of God's law. Like, that's old. That's, that's not relevant today. God would understand. God doesn't know what I deal with. God doesn't know the pressures on me. God would understand. Well, God understands a lot. But when God says keep His commandments, and we don't keep His commandments... I'm not sure God understands that in that sense. If you know what I'm, if you understand what I'm trying to say, keep his commandments, follow him. Because when we don't, there's the the the, the failure to keep the commandments of God lead down to a break, lead to a breakdown in the morals of his people. It leads to a breakdown in the morality of our nation. And we so far, so far away are we as a nation from keeping the commandments of God. Jehoshaphat not only kept them, look what he says down in verse 9. I didn't read that, but look what he happens. Jehoshaphat took the law to the people. The people that is hearing had become dull to the law. It didn't matter. Jehoshaphat took it to them. Reminded them of the law of God and what it says. C.F. Kyle said this, The teaching probably consisted not merely in making the people acquainted with the contents of the law, but at the same time of direction, and guidance in keeping the law. So there was, there was not just the contents of the law, but the, the teaching of guiding them, of directing them in, how, in, in, in keeping the law, and generally in restoring and confirming the authority of the law among the people. Teaching the contents of the law. I remember... 
number of years ago, we were having an Awana program. And Penny announced to the group that was present, it was our year-end Awana program, that we had been studying the 11 Commandments. And then she corrected herself <laughs> quickly. But that was such a good year of Awanas studying, putting the law of God before children. But we don't want to forget that. As adults, we need it too. And a reminder of the law of God, it's not the law that saves us, it's grace through Jesus Christ. It's the faith, grace through faith in Christ that saves us. But the law is there as an example for us to follow. The direction and guidance in keeping the law needs to be taught. <coughs> and the value of it needs to be taught. The authority of the law, whose law is this? What I, you know, I, I read some time ago, I don't remember when or who's, who said this, but that all the law, the moral laws we have in our nation are based on God's law. That what would we have to base anything on if we didn't have God's law in our nation? Of course, we know now it's, there's a lot of people rebelling against that. But teaching the authority of God's law, you need to follow the commandments of God and they must be taught. Ernest Cavan said this, In this age, we seem to be without moral standards. This is many years ago he wrote this. We seem to be without moral standards and in which the words right and wrong have lost their absoluteness. The necessity for a return to a stable conception of the law is indisputable. We live in an age, you live in an age, when a great deal, a great deal of moral depravity is seen all around. This whole woke movement is just full of moral depravity. The things we have heard in the news, and I am glad we have not heard everything about Jeffrey Epstein's island and everything that was involved in that. Depravity. As a nation, we're so depraved from the holiness of God. And so many are even depraved of the righteousness of God. They have no desire for it. They, want, they don't want to know God's holiness. They don't want to know God's righteousness. But the only thing that can 
enable that desire for holiness, that desire for righteousness, that desire to move from a moral depravity that in the, that's in a person's life that may be in your life today. The only thing is Jesus. He's the only one that can save your soul. Nothing else can. No one else can. No amount of trying to obey God's law can do that. He's the one that enables us. We can't follow His commands without Him enabling us to do so. Strengthening us, encouraging us. And lastly, very quickly, for God to be with you, you need to learn from the wrong actions of others. And Jehoshaphat did in verse 4. It says that he didn't act as Israel did. He didn't do the same things. He didn't repeat those actions. Israel had turned away from God. They turned away from wanting God only to wanting God only on their terms. On their terms. Not on God's terms. It's like Jesus gets us, but people want Jesus on their terms. Not on His terms. They, Jesus gets us and and the ads imply that no matter who you are, what sexual identity you claim, no matter what uh, uh, political uh, walk you are in, no matter no matter who you are and what you are, Jesus gets you. And Jesus does understand all those things, but. But it doesn't mean you're okay. It means that you're living a sinful life. And he's not okaying that. But those ads don't tell you any of that. He's not okaying any of those things. It's nice. Yes, Jesus washed feet, people's feet. He showed kindness. He showed compassion. He showed humility. That's all true. But it doesn't mean that he approves of what the lifestyles that people are involved in, the depraved, moral, immoral lifestyles. Israel turned away from God. And they wanted a God on their terms, just like many people today want Jesus on their terms. And if it's on the terms that Jesus declares in the Scripture and God declares in the Scripture and the Holy Spirit inspires men who wrote the Scripture, if it's on those terms, they don't want it. Saying, oh, that's not my God. That's not my Jesus. My Jesus gets me. You all follow what I'm saying? We live in that kind of society. Israel was led astray by evil leaders that deceived them. And we have them in our country this very day. 
And not just political leaders, spiritual leaders. People followed their own nature. Nature of sin, sinfulness, and they didn't seek God. And today, it's not much different. We need to learn from the wrong actions of others. For God be with you. For you to be with God, walking with God, God walking with you. To be able to say and truly believe God is with me. Learn from the actions of others. You must not act as those who blaspheme God, who are full of self-centeredness and irresponsibility. But you need to shun those sinful actions. It doesn't mean you push people away and not tell them about Jesus. But you never approve those lifestyles. Well, God will be with you, you who honor Him with your faithfulness, you who follow examples of the faithful, who follow His commandments, and you who learn from the wrong of others. Honor God with your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. Honor Him. Honor Him. Let's pray. Father, as Your people, I do believe that we desire for You to walk with us. Help us, Father, to see our lives clearly. Help us not to be deceived by our own sinful nature. We desire for You to walk with us. But is our life such that You would want to walk with us? I pray that we might examine these questions. And Lord, that yes, we, we recognize we're sinners and we, we, we trust in You. But I pray that we might trust in You even more. That the self-centeredness and the selfish desires in our lives would be less and less. And our desire to look to godly men in the Scripture and godly men and women around us and to follow You and to be faithful to Your Word and obedient to Your law would increase. In Jesus' name.